Welcome to The Neighborhood, a Mr. Rogers Tribute Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Lee James of rickleejames.com, and I run the Mr. Rogers Quotes Twitter account found at Mr. Rogers Say. As we again walk into this podcast neighborhood, I want you to know that no matter where you are from, you are welcome here. I'm glad to be your neighbor. Every daughter, every son, every tribe, and every tongue. In the spirit of Fred Rogers and the life of welcome that he lived, welcome to the neighborhood. Welcome to the neighborhood, everyone. Uh, My name is Rick Lee James, and you can see it on my name tag if you look close enough. As I told the class before, I have to use my middle name because if I just say Rick James, if you go online, you get a different Rick James. And I'll, I'll say no more about that right now. But I'm so glad to be here with you today. Um, just a very quick little bit about me. I'm a music pastor in Springfield at First Church of the Nazarene, which is actually called Home Road Nazarene. That's what we all call it because it's on Home Road. I've been there for about, I think, 21 years now, if, if my math is correct on that. Um, I'm also a hospital chaplain at, at Kettering, and uh, I'm, I'm loving that job. I'm a resident there until August, so who knows what happens after that. I also have a booth here because I, I travel. I've, for many years, I've been a singer and songwriter. I've, I've done music with uh, publishers like Lifeway Worship, so one of my albums that's down there, Hymns, Prayers, and Invitations, is one that uh, Lifeway was, was so gracious to work with me on, and, and we were able to do stuff. So. I'm kind of a, a jack-of-all-trades, master of none in, in my like personal and professional life. Um, but the, the workshop I was most excited to do today is this one that you're in right now because I'm a really big fan of Fred Rogers, okay? <laughs> Mr. Rogers. And I assume if you're here that you kind of kind of like him a little bit too, <laughs> I guess. Um, just to tell you real quick my Mr. Rogers story, uh, because everybody has one, um, I back in, I think it was 2016, I'm not sure, but somewhere around that time, um, I, I just had read a, a couple of books about Fred Rogers, and they were just really inspiring to me. Some of the stuff that you're, you're going to hear about today is from things that I read, um, just how deeply committed to the Lord he was, uh, how intentional Fred Rogers was in everything he did um, about uh, really living out this message of, of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself, and how that kind of came out in everything that he did. And so I started this little Twitter account. Welcome, you're seeing some familiar faces here today. Um, so I started this little Twitter account just for me and for my own mental health as much as anything, I think around 2016. Uh, if you go on Twitter, it's it's found at Mr. Rogers Say, at Mr. Rogers Say. It would have been Mr. Rogers Says, but I ran out of letters, so it just became Mr. Rogers Say. It'll show up as as Mr. Rogers quotes is what it is. And so I just started putting quotes on there uh, every day uh, just as kind of a little mental health thing. I had a number of books about Mr. Rogers. I had a a number of quotes from him, and I just thought, this will be fun to do. Probably nobody will look at it. Well, it quickly grew, and I think we have something like 91,000 followers on there at this point, to, to the point that like when 
when a documentary or a movie comes out about Fred Rogers or a new tribute album or something, I'm usually the one they contact to ask, like, can you help us kind of promote this type thing? Which has been a, a real honor and to be able to kind of be in, in that way. But it showed me that there's something in us as a culture that's really longing for this kind of moral authority that, that I'm not sure we have embodied in any one person right now. Um, in, in sort of the cultural narrative, so to speak. There's, there doesn't seem to be this one person that it doesn't matter where you stand, politically, religiously, um, whether you're an atheist, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Buddhist, whether you're a Republican, whether you're a Democrat, everybody loved Mr. Rogers, okay? <laughs> there was, I can't find anybody hardly that, I, that would just go like, nah, I didn't care for the guy. Um, in some way, there was like some at least amount of respect for him. So it kind of drove me in deeper to think about what is it about this man, this, this moral authority, that I feel like if he was alive today, all these questions that we have about the world, I feel like if he was to speak on it, everybody would listen, <laughs> you know? Because we all trust him. Everybody has this kind of trust about him. So as we start today, and, and feel free to, to stop me along the way if, if you have any comments or questions, but we're gonna start the way he would start his show every week, we're going to go to YouTube real quick. That's not how he would start his show with YouTube, but that's what we're going to do. And I probably have to get through the seven-second ad here at the beginning, so bear with me a moment. Here, I'll turn that part down so you don't have to hear it. But we're going to enter the neighborhood the way he would have done it every week on his show. play piano like that, by the way. I, I love that. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this neighborhood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you, so let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine, would you be mine, would you be my neighbor? Won't you please, won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor? So, that's how he would begin each episode. I think every single episode of Mr. Rogers started that way. Which, by the way, it takes some skill to be able to... What? Whoop, hold on. Something else is still playing. Hold on. Man. Looks like we went into What's My Line. Sorry about that, everybody. Uh, technology at its best here. Um... <laughs> I was going to say it's it's how difficult it is to actually like sing and change your shoes and put on a sweater and do all that stuff, but he just made it seem effortless. The question I, I wanted to ask, and we may have lost the moment a little bit, but when you watch that, especially if you kind of grew up watching that, what kind of feelings does that evoke in you? This, this kind of as, as we're coming into this, 
Just kind of call them out. How does that make you feel? What's that? Feels like coming home. Feels like coming home. That's a good one. Feels special. Special. Yeah. I like the comfort of the Ah, very good. We're going to talk about that someday. Very peaceful. Yeah. Yeah. Makes you feel wanted. Wanted? Yeah. Happy. Happy? Good. Safe. Safe? Any other images or thoughts or feelings that come to mind when you see that? No wrong answers. I'm just... I'm glad nobody said anger. You know that's good because that would that wouldn't have that would have just uh, blown it apart. Well, what I, the reason I ask that is because sometimes I feel like we we have a hard time knowing what we're feeling, knowing what we're thinking, and there are certain things obviously that that Fred Rogers evoked. If you weren't familiar with this, I just wanted to show you, uh, asking what kind of feelings does Mr. Rogers evoke in you? This is this is the the wheel of feeling. I actually use this a lot in my life to kind of get in touch with what it is that I'm feeling. Sometimes I don't know the words I have, but if you look at this chart, which is so small, and I'm sorry it's, it's not a little bit bigger and clearer, um, but you look in the middle and you see you know, happy, surprised, bad, fearful, angry, disgusted, sad, and then from that moves out all of these different emotions that are connected with that one main emotion. So if you're feeling accepted, uh, if you're feeling Peaceful. And some of the things that were mentioned today, uh, loving, respected, valued, all these things, these are coming from a happiness. You know, these, these are coming from that place. You can look on that wheel of emotions and you can see like where frustration comes from. You can see where disappointment comes from. Uh, surprise, there may be all that. But isn't it interesting when, when you come specifically to Fred Rogers, almost always in that yellow part, that's almost always where our feelings are at when we think about him. Um, he cultivated this place in his make-believe home, you know, that on, it was on TV, that was supposed to, all these things that you all said today, make you feel safe, make you feel like home, make you feel like somebody who cared, you were valued when you were, were there in this place. It makes me think of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, we, we heard that today. Joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of these things are embodied in Mr. Rogers, not only in his neighborhood television show, but from people that I have talked to, things I have read, people who knew him, that was his life too. He was intentional about cultivating that type of a life, that he would embody the fruit of the Spirit. It was just something that grew out of who he was as a person. It grew out of who he was in his relationship with God. And it didn't happen by accident. You don't become the Mr. Rogers type of person by accident. <laughs> okay? He was very intentional with choices he made in his life, with spiritual disciplines that he had, with things that he did to become this kind of person. He practiced what he preached. So... Um, his television persona, this Mr. Rogers that we would see on air, I've talked to a number of the cast members because I, I host a podcast called Welcome to the Neighborhood, the uh, Mr. Rogers Tribute Podcast. So I've talked to, to Officer Clemens a number of times. He became a, a friend. Francois, Francois is his real name. Uh, really, really neat guy. He would tell you 
Mr. Rogers was more Mr. Rogers off the screen than on the screen. I've talked to handyman Negri. Joe Negri is his name in real life. He's, he's in his 90s. I just talked to him last year. I still have a message on my phone from him when he, when he called me because we were trying to connect for this call. And uh, only, I think, just a year ago, retired as a professor of music at a university where he lived. Virtuoso guitarist in his 90s, still sharp as a tack, plays guitar like you wouldn't believe. He will tell you, Mr. Rogers was just as much or more Mr. Rogers off the screen than he was on the screen, you know? Um, so a number of people, the story is all the same. When I read books about him, he was consistent. He practiced what he preached. He was this person. It wasn't like this persona was this way on the screen, but then you find out about their private life, and now we've got all these skeletons. It, it just wasn't there. There just wasn't a disconnect. He truly believed in authenticity and being himself. Um, so his his real image, R-E-E-L, like a reel of film, film, it was interchangeable with his real life, which is a very powerful thing. He cultivated a life of faithfulness. Let me share with you some of the ways that he did this, okay? These are some of his, his intentional practices. Uh, he would wake up every morning at 5 o'clock a.m., he would have one hour of Bible study and prayer. That's why he got up early, so he could do this. He had a long prayer list with people on it that he would pray for while he was reading his Bible. He would pray for his friends and his family by name. He would read his, his Bible. He would study. Uh, he would take some time in the morning also to reply to fan mail. He answered all of the fan mail, believe it or not. He would swim laps then. He would go to the local, I think it was the Y, the local YMCA, um, he would swim laps, and before he would do so, he would, he would recite a song in prayer that he learned from his friend, Henri Nouwen, okay, if any of you know that name. He was close friends with him. And the song would be, Jubilate Deo, Jubilate Deo, which means rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord always, and then he would dive in, <laughs> okay. Um, he didn't drink, he didn't smoke, he didn't eat meat, and he would weigh in daily at 143 pounds, okay? Now the significance of that, 143 in Mr. Rogers' numerology, number one stood for the letter I, number four stood for the word love, and the number three stood for the word you. So he literally weighed in at I love you, 143. <laughs> And in the studio, you would often see the number 143. Sometimes you see it on the trolley. Sometimes you see it in pictures and on the wall. And that was his, it was actually originally his little message that he would give to his wife. They would say 143. That's become something my wife and I do. Oftentimes, we'll send texts to each other just anytime if it's something 43, because we happen to look at our watch and we're like, oh, love you. So that's, a, that's like kind of a little thing that we do together. But that's kind of how intentional he was. Like, those are some of the things he did. Well, it, it didn't end there. Um, when he would head to the studio, his prayers would continue. When he would walk into the studio door each day, he would say, Dear God, let some word that is heard be yours. That was part of his practice when he would come in. I've made that my practice before I get up to lead worship. Before I walk into hospital rooms as I'm in the hallway, I will often stop and center myself and say, Dear God, let some word that is heard be yours today. Um, I think that's a beautiful prayer practice. Dear Lord, let some word that is heard be yours. Um, so his spoken words on television were a focus of prayer, and he often asked people to pray for him. 
I, I want to see if I can bring this up. That wasn't me, whatever that is it was. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, let me move this tab over here. All right, I hope you'll be able to see this. Okay, this is from a, a book called I'm Proud of You, written by Tim Madigan. Uh, try to make this thing slide over here. Just a second. Oh, doggone it. I don't know how to work an iPad, apparently. There we go. Um, so in the book uh, uh, that was written by Tim Madigan called I'm Proud of You, he has this little story about Mr. Rogers, which I just think is amazing. Um, they, they kind of play it out in the movie, by the way, with Tom Hanks, but the, the situation is completely different in the movie than what it was in real life. But it happened so many times in so many places, they just kind of picked a, a way to do it. A lot of the things in that film are, they're not like, this is a telling of what actually happened. They're more of kind of like this uh, collage of things that happened, and so they kind of put it into one person in the movie. So this is the real story. Mr. Rogers' visit to a teenage boy severely afflicted with cerebral palsy and terrible anger. One of the boy's few consolations in life, Junod wrote, talking about Tom Junod, who wrote the article about Fred Rogers that became so famous, uh, was watching Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. So this, this young man that had cerebral palsy and terrible anger, uh, one of the few consolations in life was watching the neighborhood. So Fred Rogers went to visit him. At first, the boy was made very nervous by the thought that Mr. Rogers was visiting him. He was so nervous, in fact, that when Mr. Rogers did visit, he got mad at himself and he began hating himself and hitting himself. And his mother had to take him to another room and talk to him. But Mr. Rogers didn't leave, though he wanted something from the boy. And Mr. Rogers never leaves when he wants something from somebody. <laughs> he just waited patiently. And when the boy came back, Mr. Rogers talked to him. And then he made his request. He said, I would like you to do something for me. Would you do something for me? On his computer, the boy answered, yes, of course. He would do anything for Mr. Rogers. So then Mr. Rogers said, I would like you to pray for me. Will you pray for me? And now the boy didn't know how to respond. He was thunderstruck because nobody had ever asked him for something like that, ever. The boy had always been prayed for. The boy had always been the object of prayer, and now he was being asked to pray for Mr. Rogers. And although at first he didn't know if he could do it, he said he would. He said he'd try, and ever since then he keeps Mr. Rogers in his prayers and doesn't talk about wanting to die anymore because he figures Mr. Rogers is close to God. And if Mr. Rogers likes him, that must mean God likes him too. As for Mr. Rogers himself, he doesn't look at the story the same way the boy did or I did. In fact, when Mr. Rogers first told me the story, I complimented him on being smart for knowing that asking the boy for prayers would make the boy feel better about himself. And Mr. Rogers responded by looking at me with this puzzlement. And then with surprise, Oh, heavens no, Tom. I didn't ask him for his prayers for him. I asked for me. I asked him because I think that anyone who has gone through challenges like that must be very close to God. I asked him because I wanted his intercession. Wow! <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Just the way that he was thoughtful enough in his own prayer life 
to know how powerful that could be to just ask somebody else, would you pray for me? You know, I love that story. His life was centered around prayer, and I think that made a, a beautiful difference. Well, he also stressed uh, relationships, growing through learning and forgiveness. Uh, he always wrote back to his fans. We always said that a minute ago. I put up on, on the Mr. Rogers Twitter feed a couple of days ago. I just asked a question because a lot of the people who follow actually did correspondence with Fred Rogers. And I said, just curious, how many of you who wrote to Mr. Rogers got a letter back? And everybody who, who did, who saw the tweet, they were like, yes, I got it. And then they're starting to post pictures, and this is what he said to me. And there's like story after story of all these ways that he responded uh, to the children who wrote to him. So it was very important to him to have those relational connections and to make sure that they felt loved. And, and that's one reason that he got up early. He went to bed early so he would have time to do all these things in his life. And by the way, he hated television. He never watched it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he got into television literally because he said, I hated television so much, I wanted to do something better than what was on. And I thought that was interesting that he said that. So the show was made up of relationships. When we think about this, I've named a few of them, but there was Officer Clemens, who was a black policeman. By the way, Officer Clemens told me, he said, I didn't want to do it. Police in my neighborhood? Mm-mm. We did not like the police. And here was Mr. Rogers, he kept coming back and he said, would you please do this for me? And he said he opened me up in that way. He said, and, and he, he just knew I needed to do this for my spiritual well-being so that I could start loving people who I didn't care for. It was a very interesting thing. There was Handyman Negri, who was a, a friend. There was Lady Aberlin, all in this neighborhood. Chef Brockett. Uh, there was the actor Keith David, who went on to other things. There was Mayor Maggie, uh, Mr. McFeely, on and on and on, this list of relationships that would come back again and again you know, on the show when they came in. And, and he embodied learning, you know, X the owl, when you go to the land of make-believe, one of my favorite quotes, you learn something old every day, X the owl would say. Mr. Rogers was always the puppeteer of almost every puppet on that show, and he never allowed himself to be seen in the land of make-believe because that was the place where you went to deal with the hard things of life and the struggles, and so he would do these puppets. He also embodied forgiveness, and this is one of my, my favorite quotes. Forgiveness is a strange thing. It can sometimes be easier to forgive our enemies than our friends. It can be hardest of all to forgive people we love, which a lot of wisdom in that. And I wanted to share this with you. This is a video of Fred Rogers telling us about a time when he got angry and needed to ask his grandchildren for forgiveness. And it's a pretty powerful... I'm going to turn that down again because I don't want the ad. Sorry about that, everyone. But I think you'll really appreciate what he says here, how transparent he is. People have asked me, do you ever get mad? And of course I answer, well, yes, everyone gets mad sometimes. The important thing is what we do with the mad that we feel in life. A few weeks ago, on my way home from a particularly tough day at work, I stopped to see my two grandsons. Their mom and dad weren't there, but the boys were there with the babysitter in the backyard, squirting water with hoses. I could see that they were really having fun, but I felt I needed to let them know that I didn't want to be squirted, so I told them so. And little by little, I could feel that the older boy, Alexander, was testing the limit 
until finally his hose was squirting very close to where I was standing. I said to him in my harshest voice, okay, that's it, Alexander, turn off the water, you've had it. He did as I told him, said he was sorry, and looked very sad. The more I thought about it, the sadder I got. I realized that Alexander had not squirted me and that I had stepped into his and his brother's play with a lot of feelings left over from work. So when I got home, I just called Alexander on the phone. I told him I felt awful about my visit with him. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I was taking out my anger from work on him. I told him I was really sorry. Do you know how he answered me? He said, oh, Bubba, he calls me Bubba. Oh, Bubba, everybody makes mistakes sometimes. I nearly cried. I was so touched by his naturally generous heart. And I realized that if I hadn't called him, I might not have ever received that wonderful gift of Alexander's sweet forgiveness. Hmm. I love that story. Embodied forgiveness. That was a beautiful thing. If we talk about all the things that the church could learn, that's a big one, isn't it? We could be a place that embodies forgiveness of each other and trying those things. That's one I'm still working on, too. And... and, uh, God needs to help us all. Sometimes some of us more than others, I think. But we're on this journey together. I loved how his grandson responded too. You know how that was done in that way. Um, so he also not only stressed relationships and growing and learning and forgiveness, but he believed routine and responsibility were ways of saying "I love you." Some of you said routine today when we asked about you know what kind of feelings Mr. Rogers evoked in you. And there was this this routine uh, about the way he would do things every day on the show. Mister Rogers entered in in the same way, you know. And every day at the end of the show, uh, with with the exception of just a few episodes at the beginning when they were kind of getting their footing, there was a different closing song. But once they figured out the formula, they kept with it. Like every day, it was this. It was the same thing. You weren't going to really be surprised that much by the intro and the exit because there was something to that. I think there's something to that with churches too, that we can learn by some routine. We may not have a, a set liturgy like our Catholic brothers and sisters do when they come together from week to week, but we do kind of have these own set things that we do, don't we? I would, I would guess if you would walk into your congregational space on a Sunday morning, I would guess there's some consistent things that you do because disruption is difficult if you're changing things every single week and, and you come in and out so how many of you would say yes I, now that I think about it just by a quick raise of hand I'd love to say like yeah we probably do <laughs> have that routine you know that we kind of go through every week and it's it's not because routine is bad it's actually because some routines are very good they're very helpful I mean, Fred Rogers would teach us about routines. He would teach us like things like brushing our teeth and you know how to make our bed and things like that. Like routines, they often get a, a negative 
connotation, but sometimes they're really good routines that, that we need to have. And, and so just like in our prayer life and different things like that. So that's one of the things that I appreciate that I think the church can learn from. They're comforting for children too, by the way. Routines help children a lot. Um, if, if they don't know what's going to happen next, they have a hard time being able to follow and to kind of be present in the moment with you. Um, and Fred Rogers said, children feel far more comfortable and secure when things happen predictably with routines, rituals, and traditions. Those traditions, big or small, create anchors of stability in the rough areas. Anchors of stability. You ever think of a routine like that? I love thinking of it that way. So now that we're thinking about that together, I, I want to give all of you a chance to, to kind of react. What are some of the routines you can think of in your congregation that, that we're going to call, I'm going to use that language that Fred Rogers just used in that quote. What are some of those anchors of stability that you can think of just associated with where you worship or where you lead worship? Anything come to mind that you can think of that is kind of one of those routines, these anchors of stability? Yes? We open with an anthem and scripture reading just a, a series of things that would be just right at the beginning. It's not very long, but yeah. it's Yeah, but it's probably become kind of like expected when the congregation comes. Like, I bet something would feel like disrupted if you came in and you didn't start that way, yes. <laughs> probably. Very good. Any other things you can think of? Yes? I think it's a, it's a common thing with a lot of churches on this evening, but we always have everyone stand for the singing portion of of worship because I think it kind of is this communal experience of we're all kind of doing the same thing, worshiping God together, and so it kind of brings like this familiarity with the family atmosphere. Yeah, good point. Yeah, very good. Anyone else think of these? No, I, I see a hand here and then a hand here. Okay, yes. It can be a good thing and a bad thing, mm -hmm. but where people sit, they tend oh. to sit in the same place. <laughs> they're not there. But if you're not there, then I, I missed you today. That's right. But it could be that you sat somewhere else so that you can uh, get to know someone else in the service. Uh, yeah. So it could be a good thing and a bad thing, but yeah. that's something that um, I, I see a lot. Yeah. Well, to tell you a very short, funny story, uh, our pastor and his wife, when they first came to our church, she sat down in somebody's seat, and, and the person didn't realize she was the pastor's wife, the new pastor's wife, and said, uh, you're in my seat. So, so I asked her to move. So. During COVID, when we were uh, not, not meeting in person and we were live streaming, one day, um, one of the ladies in our church took a directory, a pictorial directory, and, and copied and, and blew up the pictures. And she went and she put them on the road so that when the pastor came in to record his sermon, there was this conversation. Wow. That's great. What a, that's awesome. Yes, over here. Um, I work in kids ministry, mm -hmm. and so every Wednesday night when we start our service, we go over our expectations, which are the, the four, yeah. same four things, be safe, be respectful, have fun, do your best, um, but they transcend into every area, so um, they know like that's how we're expecting them to act, but then also the adults have agreed that they will act the same way, yeah. so they know that no matter who's in the room with them or what's going on, we're all they feel a lot um, more comfortable um, and then yeah, it works for most people. Yeah. <laughs> that, 
Well, thank you for sharing that. That's very good. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how much that can help. Just that little bit of structure in your week, isn't it? And then, and it's a consistency. One of those, one of those anchors that we talked about. So anchors of stability. Well, thanks for sharing some of those. I, I want to continue on a little bit so we don't run out of time today. Um, but you can also think about like that with like what expectations are are your people holding? You know, like like do they understand the expectations that are expected of them as a member of this body of Christ? Um, do we understand that our job is not just to be like pew warmers? You know, we actually want something from you. We actually want you to be a part and, and to participate. And um, I wanted to share this clip with you today because one of Fred Rogers' themes that came up again and again is that serving other people like, is a way to say I love you to them. So he would take simple things. He would break it down to children like cleaning up your room, like picking up a coat when it's on the floor, things like that, that he would say, this isn't just a chore. This is actually an expression of love for the other people in your life. So I'm, I want us to just think creatively too today about like when we're thinking about in the congregational life, how can we think about ways that we're serving others as a way of saying I love you? Like maybe you're in a church that can't afford a custodial staff. How are we instilling in our people like, you know what, we need you to help us volunteer right now because if you love the people in this congregation and we love each other, one of the best ways to say not only I love Jesus, but I love you too, is we're going to help, you know, kind of keep this place clean or do different activities and things like that. So this is one of the things that came to mind when I thought about the ways that he would often embody, not only in message, but in song, um, when he would talk about ways to teach this kind of responsibility. It's a shorter clip. There are many ways this is the song. I love you. Just pay attention to the lyrics. There are many ways to say I care about you. Many ways, many ways, many ways to say, I love you. There's the singing way to say, I love you. There's the singing something someone really likes to hear. The singing way, the singing way, the singing way to say, Cleaning up a room can say I love you. Hanging up your coat before you're asked to do it. Drawing special pictures for the holidays. And making plays. You'll find many ways to say I love you. You'll find many ways to understand what love is. Many ways. You'll find many ways, sure. Even helping people learn to read. That's a way of saying I love you. <laughs> you kind of just want to go on and watch the rest, don't you? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I just love the way that he would embody the way. There's lots of ways to say I love you. And if we can encourage our people to, you don't have to, again, God has made each person to be the person he made them to be. You don't have to be uh, the greatest singer in the world. 
that might not be your place. You don't have to be the best guitarist. There's always somebody better. Um, but there, there is something that you can do that can say I love you just by serving other people in those ways. So I think it's good for us to think about those things for the church. Now this is one, and gosh, we're running out of time so quick, but he didn't rush. He, he embraced silence. Now this is going to be maybe a tough one for some of us, okay? Especially when we're at a conference, you know, like... It's cool you know there's lots of cool sounds and lots of bands and we're gonna go to like workshops to see how to get the best sound and all the best that we can do but like wow he embraced silence in a big way when he spoke on camera he had this way that I still think is is fascinating in his mind when he would talk to the camera he would envision that he was speaking to one child and so it didn't matter that there was thousands of people watching in his mind, he was he was, he had one child in mind that he was speaking to. So he would talk to my television neighbor, and he took moments of quiet in the midst of what he would say to actually give, whether they realized it was happening or not. He would ask a question, and he'd give a pause, so that the people on the other end could take a moment to kind of respond. And so it wouldn't be uh, uncommon for a child on the other end of the television when Mr. Rogers would ask a question to say the answer back and to feel like they were being listened to. That's a really special gift of communication to be able to help uh, the people who are out there kind of watching be a part. Think about translating that to our congregation in some way. Our task really should be if we can find ways. That's why sometimes I, I, I wish I knew lots better ways to do this and that's where we need everybody's brainstorming together. But like sometimes it's so wonderful just to stop and listen to the congregation singing, you know, or see what the congregation can offer because I feel like sometimes maybe they're not being heard as much as they need to be in those ways. So he would often take time. There was one time in his show, this is how much he embraced silence. So foreign to children's shows today, okay? I remember one episode where he spent an entire minute with a, with a timer and just sat in quiet. <laughs> he said, let's see how long a minute is. Mr. McFeely and him are waiting for a television show to come on. He said, all right, so what we're going to do is we're going to see how long a minute is. This show comes on a minute from now, so let's just take our time and wait. So he turns that timer around, and it just... Can you imagine 60 seconds of dead air <laughs> on a children's show today? <laughs> and the thing is, when you, I mean, not just a children's show, any show, but the thing is, when you watch it, you're like, what's going to happen? You know, <laughs> there's this anticipation, and there's something that happens in the quiet moment. It encourages reflection. It encourages active listening. My question for us today is like, are we brave enough to offer silence in our congregation? You know, it's hard sometimes to think about that. It doesn't take long before you start hearing pencils tapping, somebody coughing, you know, that, that we just have a hard time with that silence. But in the midst of it, what if we actually created room for God to speak? You know, what is God going to say in those quiet moments? What if we embrace that? Um, I want you to see something, and, and maybe you've already seen this before. And this is from uh, him being on the air. And I'm going to fast forward just a little bit so we have time. He makes this speech. 
uh, was he when he's receiving an acceptance of speech at the the Emmys. Oh, it's a beautiful night in this neighborhood. <laughs> so many people have helped me to come to this night. Some of you are here. Some are far away. Some are even in heaven. All of us have special ones who have loved us into being. Would you just take, along with me, 10 seconds to think of the people who have helped you become who you are? Those who have cared about you and wanted what was best for you in life. 10 seconds of silence. I'll watch the time. whomever you've been thinking about, how pleased they must be to know the difference you feel they've made. You know, they're the kind of people television does well to offer our world. Special thanks to my family and friends and to my coworkers in public broadcasting, family communications, and this academy for encouraging me allowing me all these years to be your neighbor. May God be with you. <laughs> How many of you started tearing up during uh, that moment? There's something powerful about being able to use silence as a way for God to speak. I, I have to say, I, I feel like that's what was happening in that moment might not have been named that way but there's something I think that God does in those silent places you could see it in these Hollywood celebrities that came out for another show that night but all of a sudden who would have thought we could take a moment of silence how countercultural is that you know that we would be able to take time to make space in their lives well Fred Rogers also he didn't back away from from difficult things in the neighborhood, you know, we often think like this was the, the, this kind place and it was all happy and fun clouds. Listen to the kind of things he actually dealt with on a children's show for preschoolers. He dealt with death, assassination, war, divorce, fear, racism, jealousy. Those are just a few of the really hard things he took time to talk about on the air things that we're still scared to talk about today. He took time, and he was non-anxious, he was non-judgmental, and he just helped us enter into that place as preschoolers, you know. Think about what a huge, bold move that is for anyone to make. But from episode one, it was an episode about the Vietnam War <laughs> and what was going on. So when he went into the land of make-believe, King Friday had this wall, and at this wall, he was, you know, he was trying to keep these people out and that, whatever. Well, it was a subversive message about what was happening around the world right then. Children maybe didn't know it, but he was saying his heart, and he was saying, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. And when at the end, let's just say, to quote scripture, he makes the wars cease to the ends of the earth. 
And that's kind of what he embodies in that episode. Episode one, to take that on, you know, it's kind of an amazing thing. So the question is, you know, are we brave enough to enter into those difficult things? I probably won't be able to play this whole clip. Um, actually, that's the wrong. Yeah, this is it. I wanted you to see this if I'm able to get it to work. An expression of care every day. To... Oh, it's only 41 seconds. So this is when Fred Rogers went to the U.S. Senate. Okay, this is an amazing thing. He was before this senator who was known to be very hard-nosed and difficult. PBS was trying to get funding at that time, and if they didn't make the right argument, well, then he was not going to be able to get funding for his show. PBS was going to be out of money because I, I think it was Johnson's administration at that time. I can't remember exactly who it was, but they wanted to, to, to stop funding and providing them that way. Well, Fred Rogers shows up. Long story short, you can watch the full clip online. You can tell he's nervous. He's scared going into this. And he just stops. He offers his non-anxious self <laughs> and ends up, long story short, he becomes friends with this senator down the road um, and he gets the funding for the program, but it's partially because of this. I just want to share this clip from 1969. This is what I give. I give an expression of care every day to each child to help him realize that he is unique. I end the program by this is what I well, give. I'm sorry, that clip was not the one I wanted to show, but I give an expression of care that'll, that'll every be your, day to each child. That'll be your homework. You can go home and watch the full clip. Just look to it up. Help home. him realize that. Okay. He, All right. There we go. <laughs> he really wants to share that. Um, anyway, go home and watch it sometime. The full clip is amazing to see. But I, the thing I wanted to point out was he was not afraid to face difficult situations and go into things. Now let me say this, he was afraid, and you can actually find like on uh, documentaries and things, his wife talking about this, I could hear the fear in his voice, I could hear um, how nervous he was in this setting, being at the U.S. Senate and all this, and everybody was getting berated by this senator, like one after another, it was like they were being picked off. There's something so powerful about the non-anxious presence that he brought into that place and the way that he embodied it. I think if we could enter into those difficult things in our churches sometimes, not with judgment, but with non-anxious and non-judgmental presence, we might get so much further in these difficult conversations that sometimes even churches are afraid to have with each other. Does that make sense, like what I'm trying to bring? Okay, well, I'm almost done and we're almost out of time, so I need to wrap this up. But I want to um, just close with one quote and then let Mr. Rogers say it better than I can, okay, for today. I'm, I'm sorry, it just seems like time went so fast in here today. Um, but there's, there's something that he wrote about that I, that I just think is so powerful. He said, when I think about heaven, it is a state in which we are so greatly loved that there is no fear and doubt and disillusion and anxiety it is where people really do look at you with the eyes of Jesus. And I just think about that, like what a beautiful way to describe not just heaven in the afterlife, but what if God's colony here on earth, heaven on earth, the church, what if we had that reputation of being people who looked at you with those eyes of Jesus, who just were people who looked in that way. I, the more I think about Fred Rogers, I think that was part of his impact is he just looked at people with the eyes of Jesus. He tried to allow himself through his hospitality, um, through the way that he welcomed people to come in. So I, I want you to think about 
this final quote as we go today. We've run out of time, unfortunately, but I think this is a, a good one maybe for us uh, to end on today. This is one from the last speech that he gave. Uh, uh oh. I think our session goes till three. You have it till three. Oh, I've got 15 more minutes? Yeah. Cool. Well, I won't rush because I put the wrong clip up, so I'm going to find the right one real quick and give it to you. Um, while I'm doing that, I don't want this to just uh, be wasted space right now. I want to... Uh, All right, if I don't find it here, um, oh, I know where I can find it. Sorry, everybody, for all this space. No, I was I was just going to ask you to kind of brainstorm together, you know, like thinking through some of the things that we're talking about here today and in your life, in your church, in different ways. Are, are there ways that you can, oh, there's a cat, look at that. Um, sorry, I got to go to my Twitter page here and find it. Um, are, are there ways that you can think of that maybe your church is, is already embodying some of these things together? Oh, he's got it. <laughs> That's okay. Um, are there ways that you can think of that your church is embodying these things that we're talking about today? Or are there ways you can think of ideas for how we can do these things better? And that's what I want you to think about today. So let me play this clip, and this will be kind of the end of my presentation. And then maybe we can just share some thoughts, some ideas. Maybe you just want to share some feelings that get evoked, maybe even today, that you're like, you know what, this is what I took today from this. Because I think that's important, too. You come to a workshop like this, and you don't always get a chance to share, like, this is what I'm experiencing right now. And I'd love to hear that from you. So does that make sense to everybody? All right. So let me play this clip. This will kind of be the, the benediction for my part of the presentation. And we're going to go, since we have till 3, we're going to go into kind of sharing together, kind of what we're receiving from this today. Okay? So this is Fred Rogers from his, his last speech that he gave at a graduation. And I just, I just really love it. Love it. All right. From the time you were very little, you've had people who have smiled you into smiling, people who have talked you into talking, sung you into singing, loved you into loving. And then he ends it by saying, let's take a minute to think about those special people. Again, he has a quiet time. But don't you love that? I love the idea of you have had people who have, from the time you were very little, who have smiled you into smiling, who have talked you into talking, who have sung you into singing, and who have loved you into loving. Some of that sounds like the worship leader's job to me. They sung you into singing, they talked you into talking, they, they, they shook hands into you shaking hands, you know, things like that. Um, but yeah, I, there was something about the way he's trying to teach us to embody this faith. I can't think of a person off the top of my head who I feel like with his life and ministry did more to just simply embody, here's the kingdom of God, this is how I view it, and I'm broadcasting it out through PBS <laughs> of all places. So 
Anyway, that's what kind of I prepared today. I just want to hear from you, if you don't mind. I'd love to hear from all of you. How are you experiencing this today? Or do you have any, like, really kind of good ideas or insights just from the things that we've talked about today? Or maybe do you have your own Fred Rogers story that you want to share? I'm open for any of this today, but I feel like there's something important when we get to share together. So who will be first? Anybody have anything that you'd like to share? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'd like to find out if there's some way to access copies of all his shows that I can show our little girls because it's so hard to find mm-hmm. anything quality that will nurture them mm-hmm. in their faith mm-hmm. instead of the garbage that we Um, Well, I can answer that a little bit. For those of you wondering where you can watch them, um, I know that the PBS Kids app still has several of the episodes on there, and that's like a free download you can get if you have a TV that you stream stuff on. Um, I think you may have to pay for the episodes, but I think places like Amazon and different ones that sell, you know, instant video type places, I think you can buy like seasons of the show. So uh, there's, I think, a number of free ones too. The show went on for so long. Like, I'm not sure if there's anywhere you could stream every episode, but there are a number of places that you can go to and find them. I know when my son was younger, we watched them. At that time, Amazon Prime had a number of things. I don't, things go on and off all the time. But you might just do like a search sometime of like where to find full episodes. You can still find them out there in different places. They're not always free, but sometimes it's a good investment, <laughs> you know. So uh, yeah, I see a hand here and then a hand. I was just going to say our, oh. local, our local library also has some on oh. Very good. Yeah, library is a great. I used to work at a library. I, yeah. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Did you have a comment as well? Oh, nice. So you can do one each day. Okay. Very good. Well, now we're all finding out where we can watch it again. That's great. Good deal. And that was MrRogers.com, you think it was? Okay. That, that sounds right. MrRogersNeighborhood.com, if you look that up. I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll find a pretty good site, whatever it is, if you go there. So that's great. And that, thank you for sharing that. That's a good resource. And, and, and by the way... This is one thing I didn't share today, and it's, it's kind of funny because Mr. Rogers was the first televangelist. He actually was a minister in the Presbyterian Church, and he got his seminary degree while he was doing the show in the early days of doing that. And so he actually received a commission from the Presbyterian Church, and I believe he's the only one ever to be given this specific commission to children and families through the medium of television. So that was actually his show um, so believe it or not, like he was the first, I, I always say it's funny, but he was the first and I think best televangelist that we had out there um, because what he offered was, was real and true. Um, but, but I think, you know, maybe even some children's ministries might benefit from, hey, this week we're going to take a trip to the neighborhood. It would be interesting to see reactions of children's today, children today, I think, uh, to how they would receive that. Sometimes it's for the adults more than the kids, <laughs> I think, but... Anyway, any other spinoff with Daniel 
the lion? Yeah, Daniel Tiger. Oh, yeah. Ti the tiger, yeah. yeah. Um, but I haven't, I've only seen my clips, so mm -hmm. I don't know if it's based it's on the... It's pretty solid. Our, our little boy watched it. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's, okay. it's done by um, his media group that he, okay. that, that, that's been set up, yeah. yeah. It's, it's really solid. And some of it, some of it's actually translatable from older episodes. They actually go back and use content mm -hmm. from the older episodes okay, yeah. in, the, in the Daniel Tiger neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's pretty good. We used to watch it with, yeah, we used to watch Daniel Tiger with my son too, and that was one. That the theme song is very similar at the beginning too. But anyway, oh, any any other good thoughts today? Any other things that just kind of maybe you maybe you received something from something you heard from from Mister Rogers today that you're just like, boy, this is burning in my heart. Yes. I think the biggest thing is just his demeanor when talking about really hard subjects because I'm a youth I'm a youth pastor I have a youth pastor degree so that's what I work with I work with young people a lot and there's this yearning for young people in Gen Z in general where they want to talk about hard subjects in the church especially if they've grown up as a church kid but they want to start testing their faith more they want to see all these hard things in their life and like how do they how do they kind of wrap their head around all of these really tough subjects that they come across every single day on the internet or at school, and being able to go up to these hard topics with the demeanor that Mr. Rogers had and like have this calming presence in this tumultuous time, I think is a very positive tool that the church could use as a whole. I think that's a good lesson to learn. I think that is some excellent insight. Yeah, I, you're right, because so often, this is my experience, and I can only speak for me. But I have often in my life felt like I can't be myself here at church today because I, I am fearful that this thing I'm questioning right now would get me in trouble because you're not supposed to ask those things at church or you're not supposed to say things um, because at church we act a certain way. I feel like that is so opposite of the embrace of Jesus. You know, I feel like a much better approach. I love the way that you're instilling this with the teenagers who come with the difficult questions to to bring that sort of non-anxious non-judgmental presence into their life and even say I'm glad you asked that and I may not even have an answer today um, that may not be what you want to hear but maybe maybe we can search that out together um, or or sometimes even, you know, I think inviting, sometimes we, we get a little precious about like our praise team and it's almost like you have to you have to go through the checklist and believe everything perfectly before we let you on. Um, but what if it might also be a chance to say, you know what, we want you to, to be with us in some way. And maybe you're still questioning some things and you haven't got it all figured out. But it's just as important that you're a part of us right now and maybe maybe you coming to play guitar for us this week might be a way as part of your journey, you know. Maybe you're not even a believer yet. Uh, I know different congregations have different ways, but we want to be here with you when you're asking those hard questions. Because and, and whether we have the answer you want or not, we want you. Like, we want you. And we much more would rather have you here than have you turned away because you feel like this is an unsafe place. We don't want to be another unsafe place for you. You know, I love that. Thank you for doing that. So, these are good things. Now we really are almost out of time with two minutes to go. But does anybody else have anything that you would like to share before we finish today?
I feel like this was a rushed time a little bit. I'm sorry about that, but that would be very un-Mr. Rogers-like to rush through, but yes. I would just like to say that I think it's very interesting how you waste the time to just be quiet in silence, because I feel like in this world we live in, everywhere we go, there's noise. And I find myself in the car just writing in my car. You know, I have to have the radio on, or else it'll drive me insane. I just, I can't sit down quiet. And it, we just are not used to silence anymore. See what I did there? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. The silence is important. It makes us uncomfortable. I know from reading one of his books, he even ripped the radio out of his car and just didn't even have a radio in his car. <laughs> and I think, who are you? You know, that's amazing. But Well, everybody, this has been really fun for me. I, I hope you've enjoyed it uh, being together here today. Um, again, all of these workshops that... As far as I know, they're going to be online for everybody who attended, um, but I also recorded it. I'm going to put it on my podcast, Welcome to the Neighborhood, a Mr. Rogers Tribute podcast, what we did today. So if you heard anything that you wanted to kind of go back to later, it'll probably be next week sometime. I'll try to put it online uh, just through that site if you want to listen. So thank you, everybody, and feel free to stay around and chat for a few minutes if you want, but I, I think we're about to wrap it up for the day. So God bless you all. Thank you for joining me here this week in the neighborhood. Music featured on the podcast today on the intro and the outro was Stay by me, Rick Lee James. That song, as well as all my other music, is available at rickleejames.bandcamp.com. Special thanks to my guest today and special thanks to the at Mr. Rogers Say community on Twitter. You all mean so much to me. I'm your host, Rick Lee James. My personal Twitter account is at Rick Lee James. My personal website is rickleejames.com. And my other podcast is Voices in My Head, the Rick Lee James podcast. And I look forward to being with you again next time. But until then, remember, you make each day a special day. You know how? By just your being you. There's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are.